So we've been being inspired by that book, An Easter Believer. And at the end of our Easter season, we actually have some books for you. And so we'll be able to give those out. But one of the things, or the main premise of the book, is that he takes some points of the resurrection of the Easter season that a lot of people, a lot of critics speak out against, and he researches what the world would consider secular or outside sources beyond the four Gospels. Interesting enough, a lot of historians believe that if anything is recorded in two separate writings, then that lends its credence to it as having historically happened. So, that being inspired, we're going to use that to inspire us for our Palm Sunday. And you'll see our message says, why Palm Sunday, right? We're going to look at that in a minute. You notice the greeneries. We talked about how, you know, when you came in, we would actually give you your palms a little bit later. I think it looks really nice in here. Kind of feels like, you know, the weather's a little chilly outside, but it feels like a rainforest in here with all these greens, doesn't it? But what I want us to think about and look about as we think about Easter in this Easter season is what it means to us personally, and how we could explain it to somebody who may not know anything. Because by a show of hands, how many of you have ever even heard of Palm Sunday? All right. Another show of hands. How many of you actually think that you, if asked, could tell somebody what Palm Sunday is about? The goal of this Easter is for us to become more familiar with what we believe in because how are we supposed to share it if we can't even explain it to ourselves? How are we supposed to tell somebody, yeah, come worship with me this Palm Sunday? And they go, what's Palm Sunday? Are you going around high-fiving people? You know, palms? No, it's not about high-fives. It's not about your palm or your hand. It's about the palm branches, right? Because they were considered to be something special back then. All four of the Gospels record this special Sunday. But when we look at it, and we're going to look at Palm Sunday, you'll notice palm, P-A-L-M, was all in capital letters. I'm a visual learner, and I like things that help me and prompt my memory, and one of those is acronyms. Anyone know what that is? It's where you take words, and they make, you make mean, them mean something. Each letter stands for something. So why Palm Sunday? If you ever have to explain it again to somebody, this can help you, right? The P is for praise. The A is for almost the L is for love, and the M is for meat, as in meet Jesus. And we're going to take some time, and we're going to look at each one of those, the praise, the almost, 
Because you're probably wondering what almost is about, right? The L, you kind of probably think you have that L figured out, but I'm going to tell you it's probably something a little different than what you're thinking. And the M for Meet Jesus, which is an opportunity we're going to have at the end of the sermon. So all four Gospels record the triumphant entry, and according to historians, that means, hey, it's shared by at least two writings. Two separate authors recorded it, starting with Mark, who wrote about it first in 1600 AD, all the way to John, who wrote it, you know, wrote his eyewitness account as late as 80 or 90 AD. So four separate Gospels wrote about it, spanning some time. But we're going to look at John. John chapter 12. John chapter 12, starting with verse 12. John chapter 12, starting with verse 12. says this, The next day the great crowd that had come from the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. There's an echo of some scripture that was found in Zechariah chapter 9. We'll look at that a little bit later, too. So the first letter... A palm was for what? P? Anyone remember it? Praise. Hit me with another palm. Good job. The meaning behind the praises, though, is what we're going to actually look about. What was the significance of their praise? Now, you've got to understand that it was an entry into town. And it ended up becoming something that literally was like a parade or a flash mob greeting where they had heard that Jesus was coming to town. They had heard about what he was able to do, and they went out to greet him. They spread their cloaks on the ground as a show of reverence fit for a king. And John tells us that they greeted him. King of Israel. Mark says it, And it says they said something else, too. Look at Mark chapter 11, verses 8 through 10. It says, Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches that they cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, What? Hosanna, right? But then they said this, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. They are offering praises to Jesus because they saw this is a turning point. They knew the scripture from Zechariah that said, Behold, your king, your deliverer, your savior will come, and he will be riding in a donkey. And so when this happened, and they had already heard of all that Jesus had done, they're like, This is it. This is what we've been waiting for. Finally. A turning point in what they had considered to be a life 
of suppression as they were under Roman rule. Interesting to note is also that across town, historians say that a different procession was happening. Pontius Pilate and the Roman imperial army were entering. While Jesus had probably come in riding on the donkey, Pilate probably came riding in on a war horse, right? One was humble to the fullest extent, and the other probably had so much pomp and circumstance. that it was kind of crazy, right? Those coming in for the Passover, though, were watching Jesus in her town, riding on a donkey, and saw this as a fulfillment of Scripture. And so they're shouting out with, Hosanna, save us! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of the David! because they had seen this as a turning point, which leads us to our next letter. I told you that P stood for praise, and they, because they were offering up their praises, right? But the thing was is they weren't quite getting it, even the disciples, which is why the A stands for almost. They almost understood what was really happening. Zechariah, if you look at it fully, Zechariah 9, verses 9 through says, says, Shout and cheer, daughter of Zion. Raise the roof, daughter of Jerusalem. Your king is coming, a good king who makes all things right. A humble king riding a donkey, a mere colt of a donkey. I've had it with war. No more chariots in Ephron, no more war horses in Jerusalem, no more swords and spears, bows and arrows. He will offer peace to the nations, a peaceful rule worldwide from the four winds to the seven seas. Now that was Zechariah 9 according to the message paraphrase, but I kind of like the way it said it. And honestly, if they had had it broken down like that, they may have understood instead of almost just getting it. Because what happens is, is when they were there that Palm Sunday, when Jesus came in entering into town, They weren't thinking of a king, of a deliverer who had had it with war, who was putting aside swords and spears and bows and arrows. They were looking for a king who would pick those things up. A king who would come and much like David slew Goliath, slay the Roman Empire's hold over them. I mean... In their mind, this king, the Messiah, was coming from the house of David anyway. Shouldn't he be able to kill a few giants? What they didn't understand is that he was coming humbly and in peace. That he was waging a war that was far different than what they were expecting but yet a war that had far-lasting consequences. They didn't understand. 
what Jesus had came to do. And hopefully that's not us. Because they almost understood that leads us to our next point. The yell and palm is for love. Now, when you think of love, especially when we think of anything in connection to Jesus, we probably think of his love for us. We probably think of John 3.16, right? For God so loved. And that love is about that too. That L stands for his love for us and what he had came to here to do. But that L also stands for our love for him. A lesson for us to learn. Because when Jesus had entered the city and they were shouting out all those praises, they believed their faith was there. They loved God. They loved their Messiah who had come to deliver them. But then they didn't end up getting delivered the way they wanted. We talk a lot when we talk about Palm Sunday about the same group that's sitting here, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, is the same crowd that probably later shouts out, Later the week, crucify him. And we spend a lot of time talking about that difference. Last year we even covered it and said that part of the problem was is they tried to fit Jesus into a box. They had expectations of what Jesus would do when he showed up and when he failed to meet their expectations. Then he couldn't have been the right thing. The same crowd that sat there on Palm Sunday waving branches and laying their cloaks on the ground so that Jesus could enter and offering him reverence and praise was the crowd that in John 19, 13 and through 15 says, When Pilate heard, he brought Jesus out and sat down on a judge's seat on a place known as the Stone Pavement. It was that day of the preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour, and he said, here is your king, he said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, and crucify him. What I think is interesting in this passage is that they never actually deny that he's not their king. He says, here is your king, though, and that's not the king they wanted. They wanted a king who would come and free them from the Romans. They failed to understand that his love had a far bigger plan to free them from death. They thought he had came to wage war against the Roman Empire, but he had came to wage war against the sin that lives in our very hearts. They didn't understand, and because of that, their love faded. Their faith faded. And even that, I told you it was about both sides of it. It was about our love for him and it's his love for us. Even knowing that their love had faded, his love still led him to the cross. 
his love for us had him still pay the price for us not just for them back then but for us today let us not remember that to fail to learn from their example that just because Jesus doesn't do what we want when we want it just because he may not give us what he want what we want but he gives us what we need that he falls short of us we are to never try to measure and pet our expectations on him because he will exceed them if we allow him but we have to be open and willing to be blessed. And that was the problem then. They were so set in what they expected that they missed the far greater blessing. Let us not miss that chance to meet Jesus, which is our final letter, right? They were praising him, almost understanding why, with a love that endures, right? Finally, that last letter. M, for meeting Jesus. I told you that we weren't going to hand out our palms early in the service. I wanted us to take some time and do that now. Because what I want us to do is we're going to close our service with our own little version of singing and praising and shouting to the Lord as we sing and shout Hosanna. But when we lift our palms, I don't want us to be like they were then. I want us to fully understand who he is what he has coming to do, what he came to do then, and what he's returning to do for us now. I want us to know who he is in our lives. So that when things get tough, when things don't go the way we expect them to, we don't turn our backs on him like they did. So we're going to take this time in prayer. We're going to have a song that plays that says, I surrender all. Because I want us to surrender what we think he should be and open our hearts, our minds, our souls to who he really is for us and what he wants to do for us and through us. So as the song plays, I invite you to come. Take this time in prayer, and if you are truly ready to offer your praises to him, then we'll present you with your palms.
Father, we just thank you for this day and for everything that you've given us. Lord, may we remember to praise you. Praise you. When everything is as it should be, when everything is going according to our plans, but when we also remember to praise you when things seem to be different, when they don't live up to what we would need, what we would like, but we still are provided for by your loving grace. Help us, Father, to fully trust in you and to praise you at all times and in all things. We ask these things through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. <laughs>